All right, all right. We are back here on the Palmetto Shores Church Podcast. We just finished up our final Sunday night seminar on the book of 1 Thessalonians. So that means we're going to be taking a month off, and then we're going to dive back into our Sunday night seminars uh, in the month of May. And so um, 1 Thessalonians, uh, Evan Hux led us through this book, and we finished out uh, tonight, just looking at the last, I don't know, 16 verses or so of chapter 5, verses 12 through 28. And uh, really, this last section is just peppered with very, very practical uh, encouragement from the Apostle Paul. Uh, there's some some doctrine and theology here, too, that, that undergirds these uh, calls to action, but lots of really helpful, thoughtful uh, ways of walking out our Christian faith. And so um, let's just kind of go one thing at a time and, and maybe read a few verses and then just have some conversation. So verse 12 starts out saying, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So it seems like Paul's talking to the church about how to relate to uh, their pastors, to the people who lead them uh, in the church at different, at different levels. Um, maybe just what's one thought, Evan, that you had that you shared with us tonight with regards to um, respecting those who lead you? So one of the big things that I pulled out of the scripture is just acknowledging that people that are put in a position to lead, um, like pastors or elders or even volunteers, they are working hard for um, the gospel. They are working hard on mission with Christ. People are usually placed in a leadership position because they understand what it means to lead one another or like lead other people. Um, also, I think I think an important kind of idea that I grasped just from the phrase respect, um, those that labor among you and those that lead you. I know that when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were, he said to love God with everything that you are, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also to love your neighbor as yourself. And people might think like, oh, it's two commands. They're very easy, you know. He just boiled it down to two, so that's all I got to do. But included in those two commands is the entire Ten Commandments and book, like the book of the law of the Old Testament. He didn't exclude anything. He just summarized them in two points. So I think when First Thessalonians says to respect your leaders and respect one another, that might seem cut and dry. But really, it includes so much that we have to think about. Um, so as easy as it might seem, it's not really that easy. Yeah, man. And I don't know, in a way, it's, um, Christianity is always subversive. It's always counterintuitive to the world. Uh, and for, for whatever reason, in this particular day and age that, that we find ourselves in, uh, respecting leaders is not a high value. Um, there's so there's so many uh, people who, uh, and I, I've even been guilty of this myself. You know, look at look at people in authority and almost have a natural suspicion of people in leadership and authority just because they are in leadership and authority. 
And so here Paul has shown us that the kingdom of Christ is an upside-down kingdom, uh, encouraging us to, to live differently. Uh, then in verse 14, uh, 14 and 15, you exp- explain to us that this is, this is um, ways of relating to people in the church on an, in an outward way. So how should I be a Christian uh, in my outward life? And so it says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Um, so, yeah, man, I love how you frame this as as the Christian and in our relationships with others. Um, I don't know if you had to pull out one or two things that that really struck you as you worked through these verses um, what, what really stands out to you about the way Paul is encouraging us to relate to one another? I, just out of verse 14, two of the things that I pulled out of this right away that kind of convicted me and showed me some things I'm currently not doing was admonish the idol. Just looking into that word admonish, it means to warn, it means to confront people, it means to not let passive behavior go unchallenged. So one of the one of the things that I really got from this verse is that people in the church are meant to be active. Like, yes, we are meant to rest in the Lord, but if we are not constantly, you know, seeking Him, if we're not constantly looking for things to do by the Spirit, um, if we're not looking to bear fruit in our lives— then there is something wrong. The Spirit leads us into action. So to admonish people isn't really something I like to do often. I don't like confrontation. I don't like, um, you know, telling people that I don't think they're doing the right thing. Confrontation is not something that comes naturally to me. So just to see in this scripture that admonishing is actually something that Paul tells people to do, um, it does encourage me and it challenges me that that's something I probably need to do more often and actually be okay with as long as I'm doing it in the right way. And then the second thing is just diving into this phrase, helping the weak. Helping the weak does not mean that you give someone money and drive away thinking that you've met all of their needs. I know a lot of people that think help is something that's temporary. But when you dive deeper into this word, it means to hold on to someone like you are their support and without you, they will fall. They will they will not be able to do anything without you. So just this idea of helping being a continual um I guess I guess kind of a crutch, not really a crutch, but more of a help, more of like a stable um more of a stability for them. Helping is not temporary. Helping is living life with people, even through uncomfortable situations. So just diving into admonishing people and also helping them the way that Christ actually wants us to help, using our whole life, that, that really convicted me and just pulled me closer into understanding that I'm not I'm not really fulfilling these the way that Paul is explaining them. So yeah. 
Man, I know, I know too. So in all these things that are being said here in verse 14, uh, if you're admonishing, if you're encouraging, if you're helping, um, you're taking a leadership role in someone's life. Uh, but what I love about the end of verse 14 is it says, be patient with them all. I think it's so tempting to have the best of intentions, to take that leadership role, but then to want to be overly pushy or have an overly high expectation of how fast someone should change. So you're seeking to encourage someone and you come alongside of them and, and you just can't figure out why they won't be encouraged by you or why they won't receive your encouragement. And I think Paul's just reminding us that uh, anytime someone changes, uh, or I shouldn't say anytime, but most of the time when people change, it is a slow change. Most of the time when people come out of a state of being weary, uh, it's a slow process. Um, when you're even admonishing someone in something, maybe you're correcting them, it might take some time for them to make the correction, for them to start operating in different habits or different, different patterns. And so I was, I was really struck by this, just this idea of like, don't let my passion for someone else uh, just be a short thing that fizzles out, but be in it for the long haul and be willing to see that person through their change, even if it takes a long time, even if it does take uh, a long process. So then in verse, uh, verse 16 to 22, you turned us inward and you said, okay, we've talked a little bit about what it looks like for the Christian to engage outwardly. But how should the Christian be walking internally? And it says in verse 16, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So this is a, such a strong passage. You know, so many times people are asking like, what is God's will? What is God's will? What is God's will? Well, here's one of those passage, passages where very clearly Paul tells us what God's will is. And it's, it's found in these three things. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. So um, what does it actually look like? Let's just hone in on this one. You talked a little bit about uh, praying without ceasing. Um, that, that's a phrase that might scare us a little bit, but what, what, what was your thought that was so helpful on what does it actually practically look like in our life to pray without ceasing? What could that actually look like? So one thing that it is not is audibly speaking your prayers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, what I kind of described this continual prayer as is an elevation of our heart towards God. And that is where the heart and the essence of prayer exists. It's not in speaking out loud all the time, but it's just having a spirit and awareness that when prayer is needed, you are able to immediately recognize that and voice your prayers to God. It's it's more of just a readiness that in any situation, when someone is confessing or when someone is, you know, telling you that they need something or that they need encouragement or you just know something is going on, it means that prayer is your first instinct. Hmm. It, it means that in all circumstances, you are ready 
to pray because you know and recognize the power of prayer and it is a first option and not a last resort. Your heart knows how important prayer is. Mm. That is what I see that as. Mm. That's so good. You know, at, at Palmetto Shores Church here, we've been working systematically working through the Psalms as a part of our preaching plan. Uh, it's taken us a few years because we didn't want to do the whole thing, the whole book of Psalms all at one time, which is kind of long. But one of the things that we've seen now after we've, we've gone through 89 of the Psalms now as a church is that uh, all these prayers in the Psalms are so different. They're all radically different. But, but what they all, every single one of them is, is human beings moving towards God. Sometimes it's moving towards them with fear. Sometimes it's moving towards God with praise. Sometimes it's moving towards God with confession. Uh, but it's always moving towards God in whatever life circumstance we find ourselves in. And I think the Psalms help us understand how praying without ceasing might look. What, what might this look like? In, in a sense, it's like the Psalms give us vocabulary for understanding this, uh, this command to pray without ceasing. Um, and then I, I just want to finish with this. Uh, I don't want to read all the way to the end, but just these verses 23 and 24, it's a fitting uh, almost conclusion uh, to the book. Um, Paul writes in verses 23, 24, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Uh, so Evan, why don't you just tie a bow on this book for us? Uh, why was this a fitting? I know, I know this is the last verse of the book, but it's, it's basically the last thing of substance that, that, that Paul's really sharing. Uh, why do you think this was a fitting conclusion for Paul to get to the end of a letter like this and to encourage them in this way uh, and, and, and share, share some truth about who God is and his faithfulness? So what do you think, man? Why was this a good way to finish it up? I, I feel like this is, a, this is a perfect way for Paul to, to finish up the book because it's really easy in these last few verses to hear what he's saying and think that we are supposed to do these things immediately, that it is in our power to do so, that we should immediately hear these words and change our behavior. But these verses they put it in the context that we are still sinners fallen short of God's glory that cannot do anything without him. So if if any part of these beginning 10 verses made us think that we could do any of this stuff in our own power, verses 23 and 24 are Paul saying, no, 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 that's not what I mean at all. You still need God to accomplish any and all of these things. It reminds me of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where it says we're saved um, by grace through faith alone so that no man may boast. God gave us this gift freely so that we would not rely and depend on ourselves. We are not created to live outside of God. So this is saying that all of the previous statements, the admonishing, the encouraging, um, the helping, the weak and the weary, 
Those are all things that God himself sanctifies us and gives us the power to do. We do not have the ability without God to accomplish any of these things. So this is, this is Paul humbling his people, saying that if you become egotistical, if you become um, a Pharisee that thinks that it's all about works, then you truly do not have faith in God and the certainty you're putting that on yourself instead of him. So I've, this is Paul just reminding everyone that God is our life. He is the breath that we breathe, and everything that we do is just returning that back to him. We have nothing to give of ourselves, but it is all from him. Um, yeah, for him, by him, through him, for him, all this. It's all, it's all about God. Amen, man. Amen. As verse 24 says, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. I hope you guys have enjoyed us just riffing a little bit about the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, We had a great time studying it together. Uh, Go back and read through it. See the riches of of how Paul is shepherding us to be the people of God. And um, and again, we'll be diving back in for our Sunday seminars. Uh, We'll take a month off, but then we'll jump back in the month of May. And so we'd love to have you here on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock at the church. Uh, If not, we'll continue to put out this content for those of you who who want to follow along. So uh, the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you. Have a great week.